Welcome to the podcast, Eavesdropping on Arthurians, a podcast that records some of the world's top Arthurians chatting about Arthurian texts. Imagine you're at an Arthurian conference, and after a day of listening to papers on all things Arthurian, you've all gone to the pub. So, order a pint of ale, pull up a stool, and settle in to listen to two scholars talk about their favorite books. Today I'm chatting with my colleague from the French department, Dr. Vincent Mass, although we're having French wine rather than ale. Dr. Mass teaches medieval and early modern literature at Dalhousie University. As you'll see, he thinks Chrétien de Troyes' version of The Knight of the Cart far superior to the version by my beloved Thomas Mallory, although he's too polite to say so. What can I say? Chacun ses goûts. So can you set the context for us a little bit? When was Chrétien writing and what was the place and time and, and audience like when he was writing? Okay. First of all, it's important to know that from the uh, the perspective of the history of French literature, Chrétien Troyes is the biggest name in the, in the Middle Ages. So he's, he's usually considered to be quite uh, seminal in in. For everything that that follows, so kind of like Shakespeare in English or something. Yes, basically, he's the Shakespeare of the Middle Ages. Um, <laughs> and uh, Chevalier de la Charrette, uh, and and the the information that we have about uh, about Chrétien Troyes is mostly what he says. It's not mostly; it is what he says himself in uh, in the introduction to his various novels. That being said, he, he says a lot, so it's possible to uh, know more about uh, and to, for instance, uh, see in what order he wrote the text. So Chevalier de la Charrette would have been written uh, according to like cross-references uh, between uh, 1177 and 1181, and that would have been at the same time as the Chevalier au Lyon which is why the two stories uh, connect in, in, in many ways. They were written as some sort of a, uh, almost, uh, well, as, as two different novels, but with some uh, crossover scenes. Uh, the other important thing to know is that uh, this would have been, uh, a literature would have been produced for, for the court. So it was in verse. Uh, there, there has been a long debate in, uh, amongst uh, medievalists as to uh, what part uh, of uh, medieval literature was sung or pronounced out loud or read uh, by yourself. The 12th century, you have a lot of uh, texts about, uh, about love and how uh, knights and ladies uh, loved one another. But then the 12th century, uh, there was also the time where the church would officially uh, make the uh, the marriage one of the seven sacraments of the Roman church. So in both cases, they were trying to define, basically, their own definition of love. That's what love is. So in that context, it's interesting to see that uh, for the, the court, love is something that is precisely outside of uh, marriage. The actual uh, biographical context of uh, Chrétien Troyes is not well known, but the literary context it's, uh, and the context of the, 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 his succession, so to speak, it sh is much uh, better known. Uh, usually he's presented as having uh, introduced uh, 
a few uh, key uh, development into uh, Arthurian literature. So if you compare him, if you place him in the context of uh, Geoffrey of Monmouth, in Chrétien III's novel, there are Arthurian uh, romances, but Arthur is not the hero. He doesn't ever do anything. And the history is not really the format. Uh, it doesn't start with the birth of Arthur un until his death. It's like it's like his uh, time has frozen and it's just a series of adventure. So right. instead of being in a historical context, it's, it's more of a some sort of a once upon a time uh, moment we don't know exactly when during archer's reign that happened but at some point this thing happened so uh I'll, it's it's quite confu confused to s understand what happened first uh in those stories but that's the point the the, the story takes uh precedence over the uh history right so and the, the i would say the individual knight's adventures take precedent over the, or are more interesting to Chrétien than the whole Arthurian um, epic saga or his, historical chronicle of the establishment and the, the fall of the round table. He's not interested in that. He's interested in what the individual knights are doing on their own adventures and in their private lives. Would that be correct? Yes, exactly. All of his uh, novels are have like one main knight character, Eric and Enid, that's Eric. Chevalier au Lyon, that's uh, Yvain. Chevalier de la Charrette, that's Lancelot. Uh, Le Comte du Graal, that's Perceval. And that's basically, uh, yeah, that's what he does. But this would have been the literature at, was it Marie de Champagne, we figure, at the court of Marie de Champagne? And her, um, this would have been the entertainment. This would have been the Netflix of the day, right? Yes, yes. Uh, that's another, uh, I, I can talk a bit about uh, Marie de Champagne. So the, uh, the uh, one way to see the uh, genealogy, so to speak, of Chrétien Troyes is to consider earlier Arthurian uh, literature, like Geoffrey of Monmouth. The other way is to, uh, so in a, in a way, he took that literature, Chrétien Troyes took that literature and brought love into it. Another way to see it is he took an existing uh, literature on love and brought the Arthurian knights into it. And okay. usually the, the the story goes, you, you talked about the, the troubadour, so that would be uh, south of France, 11th century. Anyway, it sprung up somehow in the south of France, and, uh, and then it, it moved north, basically. And in the 12th century, that conception of, of love is, uh, you find that in the northern part of, uh, of France. And you, you can usually, people want to pinpoint exactly who did that. And uh, that would have been uh, Eliénard d'Aquitaine, who was, was from the south, uh, was first the queen consort of France, and then uh, the one, uh, the queen consort in England. And she would have uh, traveled with her troubadours, who would have basically uh, exported that conception of love. And uh, Marie Champagne is Aliénard d'Aquitaine's daughter. And according to uh, Chrétien uh, de Troyes himself in his, uh, in his uh, introduction to Chevalier de la Charrette, uh, she's the one who, who picked the story. He's, he's just he's telling the story. So uh, if you consider Chrétien de Troyes from the perspective of Arthurian literature, the, the missing ingredient that he had is, is love. If you compare it to the uh, uh, 
to love poetry from southern France, it was usually not linked to a story. It was a series of very short poems. What okay. he adds to that is just a story. A narrative. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you, you, you move from a, a, a series of very short poems to a, a, a grand, uh, long story. And a, a great example of that would be that, uh, well, first of all, the uh, conception of uh, love that you find in, in uh, southern France, finamour, is very peculiar, as I said. It's quite hierarchical. Uh, usually the, the woman has some sort of authority over the man, and they have a relation that is basically similar to that of a liege and a vassal. And you see that clearly with uh, with uh, Lancelot and Gunyevre. She can order him to do stuff, uh, both as her lover, but also as, as the queen. Uh, right. Even if he didn't love her, he would have to obey. Uh, another important part is the uh, the fact that it's uh, adulterous. It always happens outside of marriage. And that's an important aspect of it, too. The, the basic reasoning is that uh, you cannot find true love in a marriage because uh, in a marriage, you're, you're forced into that position. You don't right. uh, give yourself uh, uh, freely. But hmm. outside of a marriage, you can pick whoever you uh, whoever you like so true love can only uh, exist outside of coercion of something so outside of of uh, marriage and one great uh, recurring kind of poetry that we find linked to that genre is the uh, chanson d'aube or the uh, songs dance of song. the dance song yes yeah. uh, which is basically a, a, a an adulterous affair uh, between a, a, a woman that is usually uh, married and usually of a higher social standing and a man, and they see each other, they can only see each other at, at night. And then hmm. they, they spend the night together. And in the morning, they uh, and during the night, they're very worried about being spied on and being discovered by uh, others. And in the morning, the sun rises, and they're very sad about that. And that's the moment of the song. The, 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 the rising of the song in which they are sad because they'll have to go uh, their separate way. And in the very middle of the uh, Chevalier de la Charette, you basically have that. There's a scene where uh, the knight uh, can only love a woman during the night uh, right. and they're very afraid of being spied on and huh. being discovered. And when the, the sun rises, they have to uh, separate. Yeah. So yeah. basically, uh, that's another way of, of seeing that that story it's uh, it's basically the phenomena but with like we know who the men and the women are as opposed to a chanson d'aube so that's just a, a background story to that kind of a, the same kind of literature right and so Chrétien took like added a narrative to this kind of frozen moment of the chanson he yeah. added the, the story to it and made it move narratively yes exactly interesting well, a lot of the knight of the cart, the Chevalier de la Charette, seems really, at least in the English translation, it maybe sounds better in the French, but it's really over the top. I'm, I want to pick out a passage here um, on page 225, but Lancelot sees this comb covered with hair and the he faints and the girl with him 
goes to him and, and, you know, tries to catch him from falling off his horse. But then he, she doesn't tell him the reason because he would be ashamed and troubled to have fainted for this at the mere sight of a comb. And then he was willing for her to have the comb, but first he removed the hair, being careful not to break a single strand. Never will the eye of man see anything receive such reverence, for he began to adore the hair, touching it a hundred thousand times to his eye, his mouth, his forehead, his cheeks. He expressed his joy in every way imaginable and felt himself most, most happy and rewarded. And it, it goes on. And there's, like, I think my students are going to be laughing during this rather than feeling emotion like feeling what Lancelot is feeling or resonating with with the love and the power of his love and so I'm wondering is that an appropriate response would that have been the medieval response would the original audience have received this as a true manifestation of a really powerful emotion or was it some sort of parody or making fun of the 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 kind of courtly love fin amour um over the top emotions it's hard to know for sure uh maybe uh, when that uh, story was told people would actually uh, laugh but i would say that usually uh, medieval parodies are really really not subtle uh, not that kind <laughs> of subtlety it's it's when when it's a parody you you know it's one right. uh so and the author often tells us at the end or something yes so I don't think that, I think that it was meant to be taken seriously. I would say that is how love would be perceived by a poet. And I mean, right. lyric poetry is, uh, uh, especially that of the troubadour, is really over the top. That being said, uh, Chrétien Troyes is uh, uh, usually uh, known for his, uh, his kind of a subtle presence or uh, uh, in the... Uh, in the novel, where uh, sometimes you, you can see some sort of distance that he established between what he's, uh, what the characters are doing and how he's, he's describing what they're doing. So he seems to be gently uh, mocking them. And that's, that's quite uh, unusual in the, in, in the period where the, uh, the narrator takes some sort of a commentary role like that. Uh, so uh, it's uh, the answer is yes and no. Uh, there, there's there's it's it's not a parody like we usually see in the Middle Ages, but there is a, a, some sort of a distance that uh, the scene where uh, uh, Lancelot start a fight without realizing it because he's not listening. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to read that as not yes, funny. It's hard to read that as. Uh, the narrator not making fun somehow of the of the of the character. Uh, in later uh, examples of uh, Lancelot, like in 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 uh, Mallory and others, uh, like the uh, the love that Lancelot has becomes some sort of a, a handicap, uh, something right. that is uh, clearly uh, frowned upon, and in some cases bring the downfall of the uh, Arthurian kingdom. But in the uh, Chevalier de la Charette. Uh, Love is basically like a, a superpower. It's mostly positive. It's quite uh, obvious that uh, uh, Lancelot is sick from love or something, seen from the perspective of later uh, Arthurian romance. But uh, at that time, that was a, a very like subtle addition, I, I, I would say. 
Right. And and the fact, I mean, you bring up the followers. If it had been parody, they would not have taken Lancelot and Guinevere so seriously. I mean, they may disagree with aspects of the love, but they at least thought it was real and thought it was powerful. And, and in fact, they probably upped the stakes that it was so powerful that it overcame every other consideration. Yes. If you compare uh, Lancelot and... Uh... Gauvin, uh, who's in other uh, stories, he's always a very uh, good uh, knight, like one of the greatest knights. But yeah. in, the, in the quest to uh, retrieve uh, Ganyev, he fails uh, miserably. And uh, <laughs> yeah. at the two parts, he doesn't want to jump on the cart. And why? That's because he's doing that out of duty instead of out of love. So he's not willing to humiliate himself or something. Yeah. And, and then the uh, much easier task, they say that it's an easier bridge to cross, the underwater bridge. Uh, and when he tries to cross it, it's, it becomes some sort of a, a slapstick comedy scene. Uh, as opposed to uh, Lancelot, the, the difference between the two is that Lancelot is in love. So it's clearly a, a very uh, positive, uh, uh, positive emotion uh, in, in, in that case. Yeah, and I forget exactly where it is, but he says at some point that he was losing and then he thought about Guinevere and, and he started winning, right? Yes. And, and, he, yeah. and there's a scene where, uh, a, a great scene again, it almost sounds like a parody, but I don't think it was meant uh, like that, where he fights uh, Matty Grant. Yes. Uh, where he fights him uh, and the, the queen is looking at him, but from his back. So he turns around and he keeps fighting, but uh, with his back turned and somehow he's not vanquished like that. And then he has the uh, much more uh, uh, straightforward idea to just turn the, the fight around and fight. <laughs> the, facing her. Yeah, facing her. That was the and, moment I was thinking of. <laughs> and then and then he wins. So yeah. uh, that almost sounds like a, uh, like a, I don't know a, a superhero comic moment in which the, the the character who has this power from the sun is is uh, shortly diminished because there's a, there are clouds in front of the sun or something. <laughs> as soon as the sun comes back, he's in full power. So yeah. the reason why I like the uh, the the sword bridge uh, scene so much is that uh, first he. He's the, fir the first one and the only one who ever was able to cross that bridge. And he hurts yeah. himself. But then there's a passage that says that love basically cures and heals his wound. Right. And everyone expects that he would need weeks or months to recuperate after that before he can duel. But right. uh, he just asked for a, for a night because he had a secret, uh, his secret power is, is love. And it basically cures him immediately yeah let's i mean i found that scene a bit weird i know it's one of your favorite scenes but it's like got all of this big build up to it the the terrifying sword bridge and crossing the sword bridge and yet it's it seems to be over rather quickly and he he looks you know there's these scary lions i think on the the far side and the two knights with him say oh how will you ever fight the lions after your hands are all shredded from the bridge and he says oh love will help me and and i'll 
it's uh, the direct quote is, but love who guided him, comforted and healed him at once and turned his suffering to pleasure. So not only is he slicing his hands to bits, but it's actually feels good because he's so in love and he's doing it for Guinevere. But then the lions just kind of go poof and they disappear. And is all this like a metaphor or is it just, it seems scarier than it is or what's going on there? It's hard to know. This is a good example of, uh, critics have uh, often uh, say about Chrétien Trois that his uh, novel seems to, uh, uh, scenes, are, scenes are always on the verge of being like a straightforward symbol for something else, but right. you always stay slightly below and you're not sure exactly what, what's happening. Maybe it's I'll, not quite allegory. Yeah. Maybe I'll talk uh, some more about that later, but the, um, the, the bridge part, I think uh, if you compare that with the, uh, the, early, is it earlier? The scene where Lancelot uh, lift a slab of stone that uh, should <laughs> right. have taken like several men. And and the idea is not that he's uh, uh, he's stronger than everyone. Right. It's just that he has a superpower and a Love secret makes weapon. Him stronger. Yes. So uh, the reason why everyone failed before to cross that bridge, and the reason why it's so easy for uh, Lancelot, easy to the point where obstacles like go poof and they disappear when when he approach, is because he has that secret weapon. Ah, okay. There's a there's a, a a scene uh that I make student read from the uh, Lancelot Grail, which is the Lancelot Graal, which is the much longer version, uh, later version, uh much more popular uh than than Chrétien Trois. There's are like hundreds of uh, surviving manuscripts. And in 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 that uh it it almost uh it almost seems like a repetition and then there, there's a like it always the a series of trials, all knights fail, and then Lancelot arrives and he succeeds very easily without even okay. uh, breaking a sweat. And there's there's a scene where uh, there's a, a series of uh, there's a it's it's some sort of a prison forest where uh, Morgan the Fay keeps prisoners knights that were insufficient in their uh, ability to love their ladies. So they enter the forest and they can never exist. And uh, once uh, Lancelot shows up, everyone has tried to uh, rescue those knights and everyone fell. And Lancelot does it like very easily without uh, seemingly without breaking a sweat. And uh, Morgan has to admit that the reason uh, he is so, he can so easily vanquish obstacles is because her prison was protected with traps against people who don't love correctly. So as, right. as someone who has like a 100% score in love shows up, <laughs> then uh, of course all the obstacles are, are just like silly from his point of view. Right. Well, that's interesting. So let's go to a different incident that um, you picked out. And, and I want to talk about Mallory here as well. But the key moment that I think people find over the top in this story, or at least uh, the English tradition seems to have found over the top, is that two seconds of hesitation before Lancelot climbs on the cart, which somehow Guinevere knows about, right? I don't know if they had like psychological mind texts going around, it, you know, or, or if she had hidden cameras somewhere 
um, watching him or if she just knows because of the power of love. But somehow Guinevere knows about that hesitation and she's angry at him for placing, even for a second, his own reputation and honor over his love for her. Um, can we talk a little bit about, because in the, in the whole story is named for that, right? That yes. it's the Chevalier de la Charette. So that is kind of one of the key moments in the story. Um, does this, I mean, this again shows Lancelot's overwhelming power of love, but could you talk a little bit about that scene? And then I'll talk about how Mallory deals with it. Yeah, and in that scene, it's uh, pretty clear that uh, the cart is just one of many obstacles that uh, the knights uh, looking for uh, Genev uh, will have to cross, and the only one who can easily cross them, accomplish the, the first trial, the first quest of the, the game of some sort, is a uh, is, uh, Lancelot, again, because right. of the power of love. Uh, but he does hesitate... Uh, I don't remember if it's two step or two seconds. I think, yeah, I think it's two steps. Uh, but if you, uh, if the the scene where uh, uh, basically uh, Ganyev snubs him when it first happened, you don't know why it's happening. Right. And this is and Lord is Lancelot. Yes. Uh, and this is something that uh, Chrétien de Troyes often does. Uh, first the scene. And then you have an ex a, a character explaining that scene to another character. And then sometimes you have a third explanation of some uh, something so and then uh, you a bit later on you you get into the the head so to speak of of Genev, and she seems to be quite distraught that she actually ended up doing that because right. it seemed to be have been some sort of a game that went way too far Right. And then... Uh, she was teasing and he took it yes. seriously. And then later on, she says that, but we don't know if that's what she actually thinks. She says that that's why she did it, because he didn't... He's dated too long. So it's it's not even entirely clear if that's the reason. Huh, uh, okay. It does fit. The, the explanation that uh, Gagnev uh, gives does fit with the rest of the story. I, I talk about like a 100% score in love and that's why uh, <laughs> Lancelot vanquish everything. And in that scene, he has like 99.8. <laughs> so uh, the fact that the the, the queen is, uh, seems, or at least pretends to be mad about that, seems to prove that the goal is to have like 100% uh, score Total love. devotion to yes. love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I read the, uh, the version of... Uh, uh, Thomas uh, Mallory, uh, that scene where the uh, uh, where Lancelot jumps on the cart, and I I, I don't get it. I don't get the <laughs> Mallory version. I... Well, it, I mean, I think um, probably my reading of it is that Mallory didn't get Chrétien, that he just thought it was silly for someone to you know not show their love by hesitating two two steps. Um, and be so concerned about honor. And so he turns it, he makes it entirely practical. Lancelot short, Lancelot's horse was shot. And so he needs a way, oh, and he's, he's tired of walking in his heavy armor and his feet are sore. And so he needs a way to get to Guinevere fast. And he sees this cart that I think is carrying wood. I mean, it's not even a, a, 
um, execution cart. It's carrying wood. And it turns out that the carter is one of is carrying wood to Meliagos, so to the, the kidnapper, and says, you shall not go with me. You cannot ride in my cart. And Sir Lancelot, Lancelot then knocks him off the cart. So it's, and, and takes the cart. And so it's significance is really reduced. And it's only one of the queen's ladies who says, ah, see, madame, where rides in a chariot a goodly armed knight, and we suppose he rideth unto a hanging. So she brings up that shame and and kind of is the audience that Chrétien's Lancelot was thinking about, right, the people watching him. But Queen Guinevere rebukes her and says that is not worthy of either you or him. She instantly assumes the best of Lancelot. And so she says, I see you are well hard bestowed when you ride in a chariot. So I see that you, you know, were put to the test and, and you couldn't do anything other than climb in this cart and let allow people to think that you're a criminal. And so I think the way Mallory is reshaping it, first of all, makes it really practical. But second of all, changes their love into less of an overwhelming emotion of Lancelot's and this kind of game between Lancelot and Guinevere and, and the hierarchy that is evident in that, you know, descended from the troubadours, the kind of knight with this upper status lady hierarchy. And he has to constantly prove his love for her. Instead, it's first of all, very practical. But second of all, there's this understanding between the lovers, they're much more on an even equal plane. And Queen Guinevere, although there are other cases where they argue and fight and so on, in Mallory, but it's, I think, much more realistic, at least my version of love is realistic. I don't know if an 11th century troubadour would think it was. But um, she actually thinks, okay, why would he do this shameful thing? He must have been hard pressed, his horse must have been shot. And then she sees the horse actually, I think he's actually stepping on his own entrails, Mar um, Mallory says, but he's following him and stepping on his own entrails from that he's so badly shot. And she says, oh, yes, this this did happen. This is why Lancelot rode in the cart. So it, it, to me, it shows a much better image of Guinevere, that she instantly assumes the best of Lancelot and doesn't play that kind of silly mind game that Clayton's <laughs> Guinevere um, yeah. plays. I see so and so it becomes much more about the love between them rather than this kind of idealized love. Okay, let's put it that that way. There's a lot of French uh, 13th century literature and beyond that is basically uh, Chrétien III fan fiction. So uh, <laughs> picking uh, parts that he didn't explain uh, in details and just uh, retconning uh, that into a a larger uh, story. A good right. example of that would be. The very brief mention in uh, Chevalier de la Charette, where uh, when the the magic ring is introduced, uh, and we learn that it was given to her by a a, a fae, his uh, his mother. Yeah. That's it. Uh, well, in the uh, Lancelot, uh, in the Lancelot Graal, like the the scene where uh, the fae is raising the the kid, is like uh, several chapters long. So it, right. it it's it's an expansion of that. And usually those expansion uh, try to provide what uh, Chrétien de Troyes often fails to provide, which is a, a clear meaning. 
it's not right. entirely sh clear if he's aiming for the symbolism here or if it's a, a literal, uh, somewhat unusual uh, scene. <laughs> yeah, that that's interesting because that's part of the power of Chrétien is that he he has these symbols there and and events and doesn't explain them. I mean, I think back to the power, the Star Wars power of the Force. The Force was much more interesting before they explained it. Right <laughs> in the in the first three movies, they explained what it was, and it's these little mitochondria in your blood or something. And I thought, oh, that just doesn't work. It's much more powerful than when it's unexplained. You're, so you're you're saying that the Thomas Mallory is like the Star Wars prequels compared to. <laughs> like Valerie so he, he does a better job than the, the, the prequels but but yeah you can he, I think it's similar that you can see him saying okay this is a great story but let's make it make a bit more sense more more practical sense of why they do things yeah it, um, it, it could have been also uh, remember that the uh, difference between uh, Chrétien Trois and and later version is that in later version it's in it's in pro well and I think also poetry depends more on symbolism yes so you can you can leave stuff up to the reader whereas prose um you it it lends itself more to explanations yeah so chrétien trois would be some sort of a missing link between uh lyric poetry and uh and novels yeah Cool. I really like your, one of my next questions is about the overall structure. And I really like your characterizing the structure as a kind of computer game, like so events and events and they build on each other and they're kind of all proving Lancelot's love for Guinevere and, and so on. I think that makes a lot of sense rather than a kind of novelistic plot of cause and effect. It's much more, and then, and then, and then like in a computer game. Yes. I, and I use the computer game analogy in my course. Uh, usually medievalists don't, but uh, and they, they try to explain what's different about uh, Chrétien Trois and other Arthurian romans. The idea, for example, that time seems to stop, uh, right. and uh, then you only have uh, uh, the adventure of the main hero, and then uh, he comes back to Lancelot. Uh, I mean, to to Camelot. And uh, life in Camelot starts again. So if you if you see that from a video game perspective, like Camelot is basically uh, the 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 main starting town. So the the hero right. starts from there, and every time he has to rest or buy more equipment, he goes back there. And Archer would be like the main NPC, like non-player character uh, in that yeah. game. And that would explain. Sends you on a quest. Yeah, and that would explain why uh, uh, every time you leave. And you're in the forest, you get attacked by all kind of uh, monsters of bad nights. And you have to accomplish uh, mini quests that are very distinct one from the other. Some, if, as if it was to like build up your experience or something. And, yeah. and uh, the, the, uh, the main role of the uh, NPCs uh, is to, uh, to basically know about what the character does. That that actually what I was thinking about that when you mentioned earlier that it was surprising that Gunyev would know immediately what happened with the the cart, but it's not just yeah. Gunyev. Everyone in the world seems to know that that one day he jumped in the cart, and that yeah. that's you find that kind of <laughs> programming bug in the uh, in video games as well. <laughs> when you kill like a, a character, you're suddenly uh, evil for the rest of the other characters. 
in the game. Right. Everyone knows that. Uh, Whose side you're yeah, on. Yeah, and that NPC will now refuse to sell you weapons or something like that. I mean, that's that's quite plausible that modern games draw a lot on that structure. But that also helps explain my feeling of anti-climax at certain moments like there's this whole big build-up to this battle or this sword bridge crossing or the fight with with um Meligant or whatever and then it's over in like a paragraph and that's the way it happens in a video game too right you're spending this whole chunk of time trying to accomplish this quest and when it's done you've kind of got that box checked and then it's done right yeah uh, yeah the, the, i don't yeah, for me, I, I saw that as a as a proof that uh, usually the uh, the the trial is always set up as very uh, difficult, uh, like hundreds of nights have I accomplished it before, and and then the current hero uh, accomplishes it very easily, and and the fact right. that is so fast in in the in the in the story. Uh, convey that that easiness that uh, right. basically in in the case of Chevalier de la Charette that if you are if your love stat is at uh, 100 uh, all those <laughs> trials and quests are very very easy uh, right. so th that's why uh, uh, Lancelot that's why Lancelot can accomplish that yeah. way yes quickly yeah interesting but I, I would like to add something uh, a last thing about that that structure because uh, i presented that at this disjoint uh, adventures but there's also uh, people who work on chrétien trois uh, uh, consider him to have some somehow in, invented a, a, a structure of the 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 modern novel, I mean, but the the, the argument for uh, Chrétien Trois would go that uh, if if you compare that to uh, 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 Geoffrey of uh, Monmouth, uh, the structure is 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 just time. Like uh, the event is uh, it's a historical book. Like it happens in that order because that's what happened in the in that order. As in uh, in Chrétien Trois, the uh, there's a there's a Apparently, disjoined uh, adventures or quests, but they seem to be they have like echoes between one of another. So this uh, thing first happened, and then a, a, a similar scenes happens later, which is seems to be some sort of a play on the on the on the same thing. And quests right, so happening, more thematic connections. Yes, so quests happening twice or echoes. The joust at the end of. Uh, uh, Le Chevalier de la Charette seems a, a bit like that too. There's uh, throughout the the story you see a, a, a knight basically fighting for the love of of a lady, and then at the end you have like a, a play within the play, which which where knights literally uh, fight each other for the love of of, of the ladies. Uh, so, right, which the tournament is explicitly set up yes, on that basis. So there, there's a lot of uh, of uh, of uh, backtracking and explanation of what happened like several chapters before and like right. extra sense that is uh, as is added uh, and and the, the the idea is that uh, Chrétien Trois uh, that's what drives the uh, the inclusion of those uh, quests is a uh, is, is some sort of a, the uh, cumulative effect or the echo between one and another that is has nothing to do with uh, like a a chronological order in which things would just have happened 
that way. So he's he's building that, uh, completely disregarding uh, any uh, pretense of historical accuracy, and he's just uh, right. he just uh, uh, he just thinks about. He's focusing more on the themes yes, and the thematic yeah. connections. So th- yeah. that's the one I noticed that that this happened the way was the father and son conflict in that initial quest which you can't really make sense of so Lancelot is riding along and there's this quarrel between father and son that suddenly makes more sense when that is the key concept conflict between King Badamagu I don't know how you pronounce that and Meleagant um and so that is the 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 same kind of it's in minor reflecting this kind of bigger hugely important conflict between a father and a son and the father disagreeing entirely with the son but being unable to control it yes that uh, full of uh, all uh, Christian Troyes novel are are uh, filled with those kind of things that happen twice or three times or sometimes that happen once and then are explained uh, several uh, ch- well there weren't any chapters but the equivalent of several chapters later that are uh, explained by uh, a character that is usually a, a priest that is uh, there uh, exactly to explain what happened. The the variance on the theme is something that uh, is quite noticeable in Chrétien Trois. Yeah, and those themes running through the whole thing would be a way that it's not like a computer game, maybe. Um, uh, yes, it would be a... Yes, that's where the analogy uh, fails, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, but okay. Well, that that so um, we can have two ways of thinking about Caetan de Trois. One is in a modern novel, and then within that novel, it feels like a computer game going on quests and quests and quests. But then when you get to the end, you realize that all of those quests are actually build on one another and are related thematically um, in one way or another. Yes, it was not just so that uh, Lancelot could could gain enough levels to be could level up. There was there's a point to that. Uh, uh, yes, exactly. Good. Well, thank you for that and that correction. <laughs> um, that that's that's really interesting. I mean, that helps make sense of the whole structure of the overall big structure, and then also the the um, structure of the the feel, I guess, of the these incidents happening apparently without reason. Mm. Okay, well, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for chatting with me today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Eavesdropping on Arthurians with Kathy Causey. Join me next time to eavesdrop on another chat about a different but equally fascinating story about Arthur. Our music is Mordred's Lullaby by Heather Dale. You can download it for free from heatherdale.org.